Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Rays' magic number, it's still one. They had no magic against the Mets on Tuesday. The Yankees won as well. We'll see if they can get it done tonight in their final game against the Mets. The Lightning play the Stars in Game 3 of their Stanley Cup Finals, and the Bucks begin preparation for their game at Denver. The Broncos, where there's one beat-up football team, folks. And we've got all your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And uh, Steve, got a lot going on before we get to the questions, of course. A little NFL news. You see your boy... By the way, talk about a highly rated Monday night football game. Man, oh man, the Saints and the uh, and the Las Vegas Raiders did very well in the uh, Nelson ratings. But John Gruden, among uh, several coaches, fined a hundred thousand dollars. Sean Payton teams. was too. So yeah, Sean Payton, both yeah, both participants in that game, um, and the teams each got a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine for not wearing the mask properly. I'm just curious. How long would you wear a mask consecutively for a hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> like, like how many hours? I'm sleeping in it tonight. <laughs> oh man, not just tonight. <laughs> how about how about till like Christmas? I mean, seriously, it must be nice to have so much money that you can just still. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I'll give you a hundred grand if I don't have to wear that mask, man. I just don't get it. Some people are curious though that like why. Um, you know, all these guys are tested daily for the most part until they get to game day. But, um, you know, why, why they're outside or whether they're outside or they're inside, why, why coaches have to wear them in the first place when people, other players and such on the bench are not wearing them, right? So, I mean, I think it's well, a good Well, even idea. if you saw like in the hockey bubble, you know, the coaches and players weren't wearing it, but the trainers and the, yeah, everybody else was, the equipment yeah. guys are all wearing it. And they've all been tested. They're all in the bubble together. Yeah. Uh, but they're still required to wear it, and the players throughout the bubble and everything else were required to wear a mask everywhere else. So yeah, everywhere except when they were when they're actually competing. And so you know, I mean, optics or whatever you want to call it, but just a good idea, you know, to to try to prevent any kind of spread there. But um, for whatever reason, I guess John and Sean and I mean, you know, we, little, look, we know John's making ten mil a year, right? But, he can he can handle it. But some of these other coaches, I mean, you know, you want to get fined for sixteen games? That's one point six mil. Yeah, that ain't happening. That's a big chunk. <laughs> that's that's pretty much most of your salary unless you're, you know, unless you're pretty established. But yeah, um Sean McVay is another one. I think it's the whole Gruden uh <laughs> Gruden fraternity there <laughs> when you think about it. Tell you what, man, we're not going to wear a mask this year, you know what I mean? We're going to have the maskless coaches society. You see, if what would that be? We got the FCFCA, we got the I have to think of an acronym for that. Yeah. It's not um, Halloween yet. It's not time to wear a mask. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I got my Chucky mask ready, though. Got a Chucky bobblehead the other day. Really? Have you seen these things? No. It's kind of old. You know, when he was doing, hey, find your beach, man. 
Oh, yes. Um, you know, the coronavirus, Corona hotline. <laughs> yeah, not the coronavirus, the Corona yeah. hotline. Like, whoops. <laughs> Maybe that's my problem, man. I was conflating Corona with Corona. They told me to, it was about the Corona. And I sold Corona, so I didn't wear a mask then, man. Now they got, a, got me wearing a mask for Corona. I got confused, just like I did there. Um, but, yeah, my uh, my friend Lake, uh, Frank Labar uh, of uh, Labar and Grill fame in the neighborhood um, got me one of these uh, one of these John Gruden bobbleheads. It's really cool. And, uh, you know, bobbleheads is an art, right? Like some look like the guy and some don't. Mm-hmm. This is a ringer. This is, this is an absolute. Whoever did this one got the mold just right because <laughs> it, it's Chucky, man. It's just. It's great. He's in his coronavirus visor and a, carrying a bucket of beer. And uh, I've seen that before. Only it was a bucket of chicken wings instead. But, uh, but yeah, I've seen it. So, yeah, I got that up in the bar. It's kind of nice. Anyway, I don't know how we got on the subject. But, yeah, that's a lot of money for, for head coaches. I think uh, Bruce Arians has done well. You know, at one point he said he was going to wear a mask and a visor. But then probably Andy Reid ruined that for everybody after that. Well, Matt that Rule was wearing game. a uh, visor for a while, wasn't he? Was he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then he switched. Right. I'd go. I'd go mask. I think. I don't know. I don't know about the visor. I think the visor gets uh, way too fogged up. I'm sure. Well, the, the Andy Reid. They said they had some of the the stuff that the hockey players put on their uh, their their visors so that they don't fog up. Is that to keep it from getting fogged yeah. up? Yeah, yeah. I always but, thought you know like like divers. You know, we just you just spit at them. But I mean. There's always stuff you can defoggers, mm-hmm. but Andy Reid's did not. That did not. Yeah, stop oh no, fogging, for week man. two they did. They they got some for oh, the okay. second week, and he wore it again. So for so week he's two, wearing so. a visor, and yeah. now it's all clear. Yeah, that's good product placement, man. Somebody should sell that stuff. There you go. It works pretty good. Yeah, I'm Andy Reid. Your visor ever fog up? <laughs> Use this defog visor. I mean, it's got to be an endorsement there somewhere. <laughs> I would think. Um. What do we got? Okay, so let's uh, let's get into sports here. We got your questions coming up here in just a minute. I'm sure they're great, and I'm going to answer them all correctly. The Rays, I thought they were going to do it. You know, they, um, I mean, they beat beat uh, Jacob Degrom, uh, you know, the night before last in in a two to one game. They won a lot of one run games. Not so much. Uh, I don't know what the final score was. It was four to two when we started five to the two. podcast. It was five, five to two. two. John Curtis ended up loading the bases in the bottom of the eighth. Got out with just one run, but. Yeah, loaded the base and nobody out. But yeah, you know, lost five to Blake Snell was on the mound. Willie Willie Adamas hits another big road home run to take the lead early. But. Yeah. yeah, good for him. Um, but uh, Blake Snell, I, you know, there's some about Blake Snell, and I, he'll probably take the loss. But and I'm not sure he pitched bad. But I know this: I don't think he's gone deeper than five and two thirds in all the time that he's pitched this year. Like I don't think he's gotten out of the sixth inning and. When he was really good, like in the Cy Young years, and, and, and David Price fell prey to this too, I think there's something about guys that have four really good pitches that they feel like they should throw four really good pitches. <laughs> and, and you know, if they just concentrated and fed off the one, you know, 96 well-placed mile-per-hour fastball and then you kind of, you know, mix in the other stuff, you'd be way better if you were a strike thrower. But for whatever reason, like, you know, you look up and and it's in the second inning, and he's thrown thirty five, forty pitches. You know, and and you just don't get deep enough. So, at some point, you know, he needs to start just challenging guys with his stuff, and you know. But that's 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 the thing when you've got so much, so many tools in your toolbox, 
you want to use them all. Well, he so. went five and two thirds tonight. Oh well, that that might ma- I think that yeah. may have matched his longest. It, it did. It did. Uh, he went yeah. five and two thirds back in on August twenty fourth. Okay, it's drawn out. His last one, two, three, four, eight starts. He's gone five between five and five and two thirds innings. Yeah, he's not so completed you do six yet. Than that. Yep, not completed yeah. six. You gotta do better than that. I mean, they get to the post. I mean, and granted, they got a good bullpen and they're deep. But you get to the postseason, you'd like to see that guy go three times through the lineup if he can. Yeah, he threw 108 um, pitches in five and two thirds tonight. Yeah, that see, man, he's just just burning through that stuff. Yeah. I mean, gave up six hits, three walks, three earned runs. He got out of some jams. I'll give him that. But um, yeah, I just with that much talent and ability, you just you just wish that he would do a better. Uh, you know, better job being, and, and, you know, like I said, there was a point where David Price was that guy, you know, and then, and then and Chris then Archer was it. definitely that guy. Oh God. And yeah, Chris, the typical Chris Archer line was exactly that. It was five and two thirds, six hits, four runs, you know, ten, a strikeouts. Home run, 10 strikeouts. Yeah. Two walks like that. Like every game was that, you know, and you get the loss, you know, um, I lost 18 when you're doing that, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think they need to get him a little more. I mean, and I know Kyle Snyder went over there and talked to him after the second inning when he had burned himself out. But man, just be uh, just attack the hitters. You know, got good defense behind you. You know, yeah, you got all this stuff, and you can, you know, you got a big big menu there. But just just stick with one or two. Sometimes you just need to simplify it. Yeah, exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Simplify. That's a good word. That's yeah, what if this pitch isn't do. working tonight, don't use it. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, or just you know, or just you know, how about if this one does work, yep. stay with it. Well, that too, you know, and and start with start with the fastball because, you know, that gets you in rhythm, that gets you um, gets your arm slots right, gets gets every, everything coming off your hand right, and you know, unless they're going to go up there now, some teams will go up there and they'll just try to ambush you if they know you're just going to try to throw fastballs all you know to start the game, but still, his his, his stuff is so good that yep. it'll play. But his fastball is um, good enough most nights that yeah, most nights he can absolutely. get away with that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, they're not going to square it up. They're going to foul it off or, or swing and miss. So, I don't know, man. But uh, but there's still a magic number, still one. So, I was asked this question. This was a TV question on uh, Spectrum. You know, I do this thing on uh, Chris Torello's station there, and um, on Tuesday nights. And the question was, what's who is the best? Forget standings. Who has the best team in the American League? And you know, I think it's kind of where the season started. And nothing against the Rays because they're they're going to earn it probably with and end up with the best record from just having won the most games. I still think if you got if you've got Aaron Judge, if you got Giancarlo Stanton and and you know Lemayhew and all those guys healthy, I still think it's the Yankees. Am I wrong? Are they not the best? I mean, I guess the pitching might be something. I don't know. Don't count out the White Sox, man. Well, the White Sox too. That's I another one. Really Mark, I was Mark Topkin brought that up to me too. He goes, "You know, White Sox maybe." Yeah, I mean the MVP it's, is going to be Jose Abreu, no doubt, no doubt. You know, I know that some people are pushing Mike Trout, but you put their numbers together, it's not close. Yeah, yeah, um, on a first place team too. So, I mean, yeah, you know, in the postseason they don't have the experience necessarily, so mm-hmm. you know that that could hurt them come postseason, but. Yeah, I mean, if you got an offense like the Yankees have when they're on, and you know oh. lately they have been, they've been on a roll, right? It's going to be tough to beat in the postseason. It is, and you know, I, I don't know how you know once you get beyond Tanaka and um, uh, and Garrett Cole, you know, 
I, I mean, whether it's Jay Happ or, you know, I don't, I don't know who they're going to come up right. with as their third or fourth starter. But I'll say this, those two are as good as anybody. And then they got Aroldis Chapman, you know, coming mm-hmm. out of the bullpen. And, um, you know, so they've, they're they going to score some runs. And and if they if they are healthy and that lineup is clicking, um, there's really not an easy out in it, you know, one through nine. So it'll be interesting. We'll be we're, we're yeah, close you, to the playoffs. I mean, look, Blake Snell needs to pitch better than this. Than he does in the playoffs. He does. He does because yeah. you know he's supposed to be the ace of the staff, and and if you're going to be that guy, um, then you have to carry your team a little bit. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. Uh, one game to go to wrap up the uh, the AL East, which would be quite a feat for them. Third Glasnow's time on ever the mound tonight. Yeah, I got confidence in him. Yep, trying to wrap that up against the Mets, and then if they don't do it tonight. Yankees will play again on Thursday, right? While the Rays will be off, and the Rays have the Phillies in town this weekend. So, so they just need a, a Yankees loss or a Rays win. Either one does mm-hmm. it. Yep. So it's coming down to the wire here, man. That sixty games went by fast, didn't it? It seems like they started and then it's over. Well, I mean, you know, it's what <laughs> it's one, pretty much two, you know two th- or one third of a regular one third season, of a regular season, two months. Yeah. Right, right. It's just really fast. Meanwhile, the Lightning—they're uh, taking on the uh, Dallas Stars for Game Three of the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm curious. You know, there's always a, a sort of an ebb and flow to these series, right? And, you know, the Lightning were coming off, what, a double overtime win and no no rest, and mm-hmm. Dallas had been sitting around for a week, and so they, they had a little pep in their step. And then, um, you know, game two, I thought, you know, the Lightning turned the tables on them. They, got, they benefited from some, from some power play, some, some bad decisions by, by Dallas. If this, if this series is as physical, Steve, after two games, what in – goodness name is it going to look like if they go to game seven or there's going to be a left to play i wonder if it's going to be as physical going they forward. temper it down and, and, a little well, bit and play but, hockey but you're starting to see players on both sides get injured and yeah yeah you know, at some point they're going to have to go wait a minute you know i mean what are we doing you know it's one thing if you hurt someone on the other team but your team's getting dinged up too as right. this is going on so you know i wonder how physical it will be going forward i mean i think there's there's still going to be hitting but Nobody was getting power plays off the physicalness necessarily. Right, that's so, true. And, and so you're just getting hurt. I mean, you know, if you're trying to goat them into something, that's one thing, you know. And, and, and look, they didn't like the McDonough hit on Como. Right. Um, you know, and that, so that's what started some of it. But I, I think it'll be more tempered as you go forward. I mean, now you're, you're both teams are three wins from a Stanley Cup. That's a good point. Um, it's best of five now. Know, it's going to be physical, but I don't think you're going to see as much of the extracurricular stuff going on right um right you know i mean every inch of ice matters but mm-hmm. you know you're three wins away now i mean yeah. now it's you know now it's a best of five series you get it's a you know three out of five going forward that's right you know i, I think i think these teams are gonna you know get back to focusing on you know what we need to do to win the game mm-hmm. you know the lightning need to keep playing the way they've played for the last four periods well three of the last four i mean three of the last four yeah and i didn't play bad in the second period Monday night, just the penalties hurt them, got right. them out of their yeah. flow and rhythm and all that. You know, at one point they had three guys in the box. <laughs> so yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, that third period. I mean, they played that third period about as well as you can. They play. were perfect. I mean, they yeah. gave up a goal. They made one mistake. They gave up a goal. But right beyond that, I mean, what the, the Stars had thirteen shot attempts, five shots on net when they're down two to enter the period, and you got it within one. You know, within the first five or six minutes in, and that's all the shots you can get on the goal. Yeah, I mean, that shows great, you how well defense. the Lightning were playing, how well they were controlling the puck, 
and 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 forechecking Dallas and and ding them up is that Dallas couldn't generate anything. Like mm-hmm. I said, I mean the, the the one mistake and and that went in your net, but beyond that, Dallas didn't do anything in that third period. That was about as well as you can play a third period in the Stanley Cup final. With you know with yeah. a, one, a two goal lead and then a one goal lead at that point. That's about as well as you can play. And if the, if the Lightning continue to play most of the game that way, they're going to be fine in the series. Well, it's a pivotal game. I mean, they're all you know they're all big. I mean, you know, I guess it starts when what they used to say that a series starts when each team wins a road game or something like that. Um, but well, yeah, until someone wins a road game, which Dallas did technically the first game. They did game one, yeah, because uh, that so. was technically home. This you know tonight will now be a Dallas home game for the first time, which means Dallas will get the last change as far as right. you know. That's um, the only advantage. Yeah. Players on the ice in that so. I wonder what uh, what lineup Coop will go with because um, you know he changed things up with Jan Ruda and and. Um... I think it'll be the same lineup unless Stamkos is in. I think that's the only Ooh. change he would make. Whoa, um, hold unless, on. unless someone's hurt. But um, breaking news? No, I, I know nothing. Da, I'm just da, saying da, da, if, da. if if there's going to be a lineup change, <laughs> that would know, be assuming it. someone's not unfit to play and can't go. Right. Um, the only the only lineup change I could see would be Stamkos if he's ready, and I have no idea if he is. He's been skating. Yeah. Um, we didn't know Jan Ruda was ready, and then he went in Monday night, and after the game, John Cooper said, oh, he's been ready for weeks. Mm. You know, but things were rolling, things were good, so we didn't want to change anything. So is Stamkos ready? Who knows? I mean, he's skating, he's practicing. The little bit of video that the NHL releases looked pretty good, but, you know, that's a little bit of video in practice. Yeah. You know, who knows Could if he's ready. Could you just stand him out there in the circle for the one-timer on, on the power play? I mean, does he really have to do much else? <laughs> I <laughs> well, mean, you know, here's an interesting question, though. Carry an extra play, an extra forward or whatever. But here's, here's an interesting question. And this is, I suppose it's a good problem if you're about ready, if Stamkos is ready to come back. But where do you put him in the lineup? Are you going to take Pilat off that top line? Are you going to take Pilat off that top line with Stamkos mm. who hasn't played oh, since, that's a great question. you know, March? It's a great question, uh, and they've and they're domi- this, That line is dominating the playoffs. When you look at yeah, Kucherov with sure. twenty eight points and Point with yeah. twenty six points, and Palat's had a lot of big goals. I'm are not you, sure I would do that. Are you going to break up the Gord Coleman Coleman line? Don't think so. Is he going to go to the third line? Are you going to put him on Sorelli, Kalorn, and Johnson and move one of those guys out? That's your defensive shutdown line. Is that the role you want Stamkos playing? No. And then otherwise, now you're with Maroon and Paquette. Is that the line you want him on? No, we just solved that he can't play. Yeah, so, I, I mean, look, if you can get Stamkos in, you're going to, but it's an interesting thought of how are they going to roll the lines at that point? They might just put him right back on the front line, the number one line. I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, a lot of this depends on if he's coming back and he's really functionally healthy. I know he hadn't played in a while. Well, I don't think he comes back unless he's functionally healthy. I mean, yeah. this well, is the Stanley I mean, Cup fun. You can't, I mean, af- you can't afford of, to drop a game because you're playing a guy for just for the power play. I right, mean, but I mean in terms of like, you know, he's not just out there, but he's actually like playing hockey, yeah. good hockey. You know, right. like if he's if he's got the ability to, to create, make plays and, and protect himself and get up mm-hmm. and down the ice, then I think, you know, if you think mm-hmm. he's Steven Stamkos, well, right. you know. But, but here's the thing too, and we saw it with Jan Ruda, and Jan Ruda talked about this on Tuesday was he Ruda had a rough start to the game. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't he was just hadn't played in over a month. Man played in so long. Right. Yeah. And it's understandable and he got better as the game went along and Ruda even talked about it. He goes, "Yeah, I, I, it was rough at first and I got better throughout the game." Right. So do you put Stamkos on the top line to start the game, which that's your most dominant scoring line and has led you in this playoffs and 
if he's yeah. if he starts out rough, what does that do to that line and and your team yeah. at that point? So it's an interesting. I mean, you know, you never kind of thought it would. You know, Palat has slid into that top line so smoothly this postseason. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think anyone expected that going into the postseason that Palat would fit in so well with that line and, and score big goals as well. I mean, he doesn't have the points that they do per se, but he's been just as valuable and important on that line. And so it's an interesting proposition of, you know, if he comes back, where would you play him? I mean, and if he can come back, he's coming back. Don't get me wrong. It's not don't play him, but it'll be an interesting decision that Cooper and his staff have to make or adjust throughout the game. I mean, I think whatever lines start may not be the lines that finish that game, too. No, that's true. You could do that. Well, let's hope they have that problem. I mean, for Stamkos' sake, I, I think it would be awful, just awful, if, if they go through this entire, you know, finals experience and he doesn't get to play. And, um, you know, if they win, I'm sure that would, you know, please him, obviously. But, um, man, you'd like to have that on your resume that you played in and won a Stanley Cup um, mm-hmm. and, and what weren't just a bystander. That would be kind of tragic well, in its own way. He's been, you know, kind of taking the moniker over as the best player to active player to have not won a cup. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't yes, play he in the has. postseason and lightning wind, does that go away or does that the stay? Tree, that's a tree in the forest, right? I yeah. Mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah. You were on the team, but you really didn't do anything, you know? But um, he, he didn't but play. technically he won a cup. He did. He'll be, his name will be on it. I mean, yeah. he will have won it. And he I certainly mean, had a, a big in, impact as far as them getting here. Yeah. Um, just wasn't able to play in the postseason. I mean, generally the rule for winning for putting your name on the cup is you played in half the games in the regular season or at least one game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And he qualifies. Yeah, obviously. exactly. He, yeah, the half the season. I mean, he played sure. pretty much the whole season. So, Sure. Yeah, well, boy, I tell you what, it'll be fun to see him if he goes out there. When, if that happens, that's going to be goosebump time for a lot of people, I think, in uh, in Tampa because you sort of like to see the captain out there. The Bucs are preparing for their game at Denver. You know, the Broncos, next to the 49ers, who have basically their entire defense, um, plus Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, Mozart, they're, they're running back injured. I would say the Denver Broncos are probably the next most injured team in the National Football League. I mean, it's incredible. I think they've lost two receivers, uh, a couple of offensive linemen. Um, obviously, Von Miller, Von Miller is out and, and Drew Locke. And, you know, so... Now, did you see where they um, went ahead? And I, I believe if they haven't signed, they're going to sign Blake Bortles of uh, Jacksonville fame, of course. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, right now, what it's Driscoll's going to start, I think, on Sunday. And he, he played okay. I mean, look, Pittsburgh only won 26 to 20. Um, so I actually thought that, uh, you know, given the circumstances, they did a pretty good job. Um, but the Bucks, I mean, you, you've got a wounded team. Sometimes they're dangerous. Uh, you still have to go on the road. I don't, I don't know if they're playing with fans in Denver, but if they are, it's not I like it normally is. I think it's limited fans. I think it's very yeah, small. It's not like it was, you know, out there typically. And Brady, Brady, that for years was that was his house of horrors. He hasn't, he didn't win there very much. So we'll see if he can kind of break that curse. But uh, yeah, like we told uh, said, you know, I think they have seven opponents that are zero and two right now, and. You know, they they also have a bunch that are two and zero. Well, thanks um, to the this, Raiders, they're tied for first in the division. So. <laughs> that's that's correct. Yeah, even though you could say that New Orleans has a game in hand. By the way, and I've been saying this: get check the tape, as they say. Check your sheet, Steve. Check your sheet, because I've been saying this, and this involves <laughs> check your sheet, guy. But Drew Brees' arm is no bueno. It's not good, man. 
Um, and that, that was kind of the big story after that Monday night game. He can't throw the ball down the field. Um, and I know Michael Thomas wasn't playing, and, and that might have had something to do with it, but I think for the most part, like his average yards per completion was somewhere around four and a half. Ooh, and, that's uh, not Drew Brees' numbers. No, and, and, and but if you watch him, I mean, he's – I don't know if he's turning down throws down the field, but, but the ones that he does try to hump up and, and throw do not look good. And it's a little reminiscent of, of, you know, Peyton Manning in his last year. I mean, you know, if you took Tom Brady and you, and, and you looked at Drew Brees, and, and Drew's game is to get the ball out of his hands quick too, um, but there's – in my mind, at least from what I've seen – um, in person and on, uh, you know, when, when the Saints were playing the Bucks, there, it just doesn't look like his arm is as strong as Brady's. You know, Brady still throws a ball with pretty good velocity. Had a windy day the other day. He had, you know, he cut through that with the by spinning it. Um, you know, it's other than the flea flicker when he didn't grab the laces, and that that was a dying quail. But he's actually thrown the ball pretty well. Can't say that when I look at Drew Brees. I feel like people know and are challenging him to go over the top. And so they're basically going to sit down in there and say, you know, okay, you know, let's, let's see you go up town. Let's see you go upstairs. And he hasn't been able to do it. And Sean Payton keeps talking about his play calling is bad and how he t- takes responsibility and stuff. But the reality is, is that, you know, sometimes, and, 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 you know, I'll say this and they'll be in the Super Bowl, but sometimes um, it's better to leave the party too soon <laughs> than too late, you know? And uh, it seems like the greater the player, the less awareness they have of that. But, um, but that that was a big story after that that Monday night game. With well, that and the Raiders, of course, winning in that beautiful beautiful stadium. Um, although you know what it looks like to me, a Roomba. I think they missed an opportunity. It's a Roomba. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 that little automatic vacuum cleaner mm-hmm. we all have. We have one. Yeah, we have one. Yeah, and and they should have. I mean, a Legionnaire. Okay, fine. But like, man, Roomba. That's what that, I mean, Chris Berman, yeah, from the rumba in Las Vegas, you know, it would have been instead of the big toaster in Arizona, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun having a team in Vegas. Their home record's going to be stellar, by the way. Well, it's, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. the hockey team, the first season, they didn't lose a game, did they? Um, I mean, they, they only lost a couple, but they didn't lose any to a team that had a night off. One night off in, yeah. in the city. If, they, if it right. was the second half of back to back, they weren't as successful. But yeah, yeah, the Wonder Vegas, that, the Vegas flu. Yeah, wonder how that happened. Everybody woke up with a Bengal tiger and a baby crying in their hotel rooms the next day. It was just, you know, uh, and their buddy and, missing. And they're already missing teeth, so that you can't really, you know. The missing two thing didn't bother yeah, that's, anyone. That's true. That's standard. <laughs> um, that comes with the, the hangover suite. But, uh, but yeah, where's Doug? Doug. Anyway. Um, okay, so we've, uh, we've talked about the Lightning. Um, we talked about the Bucks a little bit and playing Denver. Got to figure a way to get the tight ends involved. That's going to be a big story this week. I don't know if we're going to talk to Rob Gronkowski. Um, there's not much to talk about. He's gone out for 33 passes and – They've thrown it to him four times, and he's caught two for 11 yards. So um, wouldn't get a whole lot of that Zoom call. But, you know, at some point, and, and Bruce Arians took some criticism from this. I saw Dan Orlovsky and some others saying, look, um, who cares what position they play? And they're tight ends, right? I mean, Joe, him and O.J. Howard and Cam Brake, you got all these tight ends. And it's like, well, we don't throw 50 balls to tight end. Well, listen, 
just consider them football players and potential receivers then. You know, don't call them tight ends if, if that's if that seems to be your hang-up. And I know what he's saying because the tight end doesn't catch a lot of balls typically in this offense. But I'm not sure that Rob Gronkowski came out of retirement, right, to try to run block 70 plays a game. I'm not sure that's what he wanted to do. And I'm not sure that Tom, you know, Brady would have talked him into doing it if that's what he thought his role was going to be. I wonder why the tight ends don't catch many balls in Bruce Arians' offense. It's not like he keeps them in the block on pass plays. Well, I mean, he I sends mean, five out. I mean, it's not. He, he, he typically does, yeah. I mean, he typically does. And, and I, don't, I don't have a good answer for it. Um, he'll tell you, well, you know, we got receivers for that. Or, you know, the quarterback has the ball, you know. But you got to design things. I mean, you know, like I said, Rob Gronkowski did not show up thinking, hey, I'll average about two targets a game here. I mean, you know, he, he wants to make plays. And I, I guarantee you Tom wants to find them. Now, that's the other thing. He, you know, he's not playing that well. He's well, not playing. I that mean, that's fast. the other question: is is he only getting four targets because because he's not open. because it's not the offense, or is it because he's not playing well enough or not I getting think it's open? Or I think look, week week one, Bruce Arian said, "Hey, uh, tight ends didn't block the perimeter very well. We were bad at that." Well, who were the tight ends? It was OJ almost exclusively, and it was Gronk. You know, um, and then you know, then this week, of course, he says, uh, "You know, we don't, you know." We don't care, sort of, if they're tight ends. Uh, we got receivers, and and you know, and Tom has the ball. Well, I, I'm pretty sure Tom's going to throw him the ball if he thinks he's open. And the one pass he threw to him uh, sailed over his head, and it was picked off. So, I don't know, man. It's kind of like, you know, some stuff going on. And again, this is part of the the meshing, the melding between you know what Bruce does and wants to do, and it's his offense. Versus maybe what what Tom Brady is comfortable doing, you know, and they're going to have to have a, a way to get it together. But they should take advantage of this uh, this wounded team in Denver and get to two to one, uh, two and one, and then they'll come home and they'll play the Chargers. And who knows who's going to be their quarterback? Whether it's Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert or whoever. Well, Anthony Lynn has said Tyrod Taylor is the starter. Now let's assume yeah. he's healthy to play. They love him. I think. I think he is. I mean, if he can play, I think that's who they're going to go with. For yeah, whatever he reason. said, he gives them the best chance to win. Yeah, for whatever reason, they they love them some Tyrod Taylor. Although I thought, I thought Herbert did very well in in uh, get, especially the way it happened. You know, a guys on the sideline getting ready to play and has to go to the hospital, and it's like you're in. Um, yeah, but so isn't thought, sometimes that the best way to get thrown in? I think so. I do. I think so. I, why have a sleepless night? You know what I mean? Um, why, why, why paralysis by analysis? Just go out there and try to survive um, and make plays like you always have throughout your whole life. So that's probably the- Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. The best way. Anyway, we got some mailbag questions. We'll wrap it up with those, and uh, let's get started. All right, Joe asked, with Tom Brady having the third-best PFF grade behind only Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, do you think he can still play at the same level he did five years ago? 
That's assuming his receivers start catching the ball. It seems Breeze has regressed a lot more, and Tom's stats aren't telling the whole picture. Well, his stats aren't. Um, and he'd have had a bigger day, as Bruce you know, pointed out, with the drop passes. Um, had a chance to have you know close to a 400-yard game. And look, the first half they were up 21 to nothing, so I think he played very, very well. And um, they just didn't get anything going. He was, you know, six of twelve for nineteen yards in the second half. Those aren't those aren't Brady like numbers. Again, some drops in there. Um, you know, what's the big concern? I mean, I I I think it's going to take time. I don't know how much time. This is what I don't know. I, I mean, I think the Bucks are going to have to move close to what Brady wants to do whether that's involved the tight ends or not, whether that's throwing the running backs more. You can call it. I mean, he's already speaking, you know, a different language. So whatever they call is going to be in, in, in Bruce's offenses, offensive language. But, you know, damn it, Byron Leftwich has to move and figure out, you know, how do we keep this guy um, performing at, at the level that he's accustomed? And, um, you know, I haven't talked to Brady. I mean, Brady's not going to say anything like, you know, I hate this offense and um, that sort of thing. But I, I do get a sense that there's a real sort of real frustration on his part and on the part of the coaches that, that thought, you know, um, not having a preseason hurt them. And, you know, um, they they want it to come fast, but they, they knew it was going to take some time. I'm not sure they thought, you know, that after two weeks that, that, it'd still be where it's at, you know, that it's still a long, long way. And look, they haven't had Chris Godwin. Uh, they didn't have him last week. The first week, Mike Evans was clearly not himself. He was dinged up. So, you, you know, once you get all those weapons back, it'll help too. The good news is, like we said earlier in the podcast, the defense is carrying them. You know, this defense is outstanding um, so long as nobody gets hurt. And, you know, we'll see. But, man, Tom – Tom's numbers are not, they're not Brady. And he's never, you know, he's not the guy that's going to throw for 5,000 every year. Um, but when you're eking out 200 a game, it's, you know, you should, it should, it should be closer to 300. And I, I think it'll get there. Um, this would be a good week to do it. But, um, you know, in the meantime, while you're cleaning stuff up, you just need to win. I mean, that that's, that's the thing, right? That's why Brady is here. And he knows the process. He knows they're going to be better in November than they are right now. What he's focused on is, like, let's do enough to win games. And if you do that, you know, the rest of it will take care of itself. Ellis asks, do you think the Bucks' Tyler Johnson has a better chance of seeing the field after Grayson's attempted helmet catch? I think he's getting closer, yeah. I don't know, you know, physically, it, they, I asked Bruce the other day, and he said that he is, um, he, he's back getting himself, working himself back in shape, and he's doing that. Um, sort of on the scout squad. I mean, you have an entire offense that that will simulate um, the opponent that week, and so he's been involved in that, and he makes plays doing it. And he says, "You can certainly see why we why we wanted this guy." You know, Grayson gives you more on special teams. He can be a return guy, uh, and and the wind kind of caught that ball. Bruce keeps saying, "You know, he has such great hands." I've not seen that. I I've actually thought that Grayson looks like the track guy that he is and doesn't catch the ball all that well. Um, but I think eventually, you know, we, we said going into the season, like rookies outside of Tristan Wirfs, you know, and, um, you know, Antoine Winfield, I mean, there just weren't going to be a lot of guys 
that they were going to be able to plug and play and, and let them make mistakes and develop. I mean, this is the all hands on deck. So, um, but I don't, I don't think that a guy like Cyril Grayson is that much better or better than Tyler Johnson. I think as Tyler gets healthy and he was hurt most of training camp, uh, if he does what they say he's doing in practice and, and can play special teams, cause that's, that's the big key, you know, um, then he has a chance, but, um, you know, Grayson can't drop the ball like that. I'll tell you what, he might be out there, but Brady's not going to throw it to him if he drops another one. Brian asks, what area would you like to see the Buccaneers start to get better by the end of the game against Denver? Um, wow, what a great question. What area would I like to see by the end of the game? I think one of them is catching the ball. Yeah, they can't drop. I mean, that that that's obviously it. I I guess I just want to see that complete game. You know, I guess I want to see Brady be in control. Um, you know, get him off to a pretty fast start, and he's done that in games. You know, he had the eighty-five yard drive in the opener. Um, but but just sort of be, you know, sort of be efficient. You know, and I mean, we saw flashes of the running game. You could say, well, if they could run the ball better, um, you know, Fournette got the big the big run to seal it. Um, but I, I, again, I think every answer is Tom Brady. I just, I want to see Brady have a high completion percentage. I want to see him look with the body language, you know, I mean, he's coming over to the bench and he's unloading on people, you know, and some of that's just his competitiveness, but some of it is absolute, you know, frustration. And you just kind of like to see him have an easier day of it and, you know, go out there and go, you know, 25 of 29 and, you know, 312 yards and two or three touchdowns and, you know, just be consistent from, from first quarter to the end of the game. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking I'm looking for the quarterback to feel comfortable in this offense. Um, and I haven't seen it. So uh, that's, that's where I start. Oliver asks, with Raymond James Stadium currently not permitting fans inside, were there any Bucks fans gathered outside the stadium, either pregame for tailgating or after to celebrate the win in the players? Well, I wasn't out there. By the time I got outside, of course, it was, you know, crickets. I mean, there was nobody there. Um, I was just glad my car was there. But uh, I didn't. I personally didn't see anybody, although I think maybe Ed and Cena took pictures of some folks kind of hanging out on the, on, the, on the fringes. You know, you weren't allowed to go into the parking lots and do this sort of thing. Um, I saw some cars driving up and down beeping, you know, on Dale Mabry with their flags and things. Um, but, yeah, it would, it would have been nice if there were, you know, an outdoor, you know, venue where, you know, a big screen TV and people can kind of socially distance and gather. Um, but I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see any fans. Yeah. I, I, saw, saw, some new, I saw news interviews with some, uh, the neighbors, mm-hmm. you know, talking about how they could hear the cannons in the stadium and that, but you know, oh, yeah. obviously missed out on the parking revenue that a lot of them get and their front That's yards right. and things a like that. A lot of charities and stuff too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a couple of weeks. It's odd. I mean, you know, we, we talked to uh, – I had this guy, John Barker, down, who's a, a head of events for the NFL, and he toured the stadium. Uh, a couple folks from uh, from the, the, the league office and, and, you know, of course, the Tampa Bay, um, whatever they call it, the Super Bowl committee, host committee, and Rob Higgins and those guys. Uh, and just talking to them, it was eerie because we're standing – we were inside the stadium where, by the way, not one fan – has been allowed to come in, um, you know, because of COVID. And we're in there. We're all socially distanced. I mean, we're in there. And 
you know, and, and John, this guy, uh, John Barker, he's talking about playing the Super Bowl with fans. And it's like, well, he goes, well, we have contingencies. And I go, well, would one of those contingencies be reduced capacity or, say, zero fans? And he was like, well, you know, yeah, it's possible. I mean, we got to look at everything. So don't be surprised, you know, unless there's a real ebb to this pandemic if the league just says, hey, Tampa, you know, thanks for putting on the Super Bowl. Uh, our stadium LA wasn't ready. We know you have no fans, but what a perfect year for you guys to have it <laughs> because, um, you know, we're not, we're, we're not, we're taking a mulligan, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's just Tampa. Um, but well, this you know, was supposed to be LA Super Bowl anyway. So. It was exactly. It absolutely. was going to be LA's and that's how they got it. Cause they had construction delays one summer with a ton of rain and whatnot, but wouldn't it be ironic, you know, mm-hmm. that, um, that when they play, well, I know uh, everyone's the, looking forward to October 18th, which is when the Bucks hope to have fans in the stadium. The Packers, the Packers game, yeah. But USF is hoping to have fans in the stadium October 10th Are they? for their good. homecoming game against ECU. So we'll see. Well, that's good. You know, so there'll be a trial run even before the Bucks get their first home game. Yeah. So, you know, unless something changes, but that's the plan yeah. at this point. So yeah, I like it. Yep. All right, Craig asks, do you think that the Rays – uh, strikeout percentage could be what does them in in the playoffs. The bats have been full of ton and uh, full of a ton of swing and miss lately. I don't think it helps them. I mean, they're not you know they're they're not one of these teams that's going to bomb their way um, you know through the playoffs. I mean, I think they need they need base runners. So yeah, you know, although I say I will say that the game has changed and that there's not the stigma in striking out. Um, you know, but for me personally. I, you know, I I don't think they I don't think they're good enough offensively to stand up there and, you know, not get guys on base, not try to move runners, not try to, you know, generate. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're not hitting all that well one through nine, you know, you want to generate something. Um, well, they lead the league and, in strikeouts, 565 of them. Yeah, so I mean, they're forty, that's, that's, almost forty ahead of the Cubs, who are second. So I mean, that's who they are. But you you know, so you're probably going to see it in the postseason, but. Look, it worked. It worked well enough for them to win or be close to clinching the American League East. I'm not a big fan of of strikeouts. I, I don't. Nor, typically, I don't think they translate to success. But, but the you know things have changed. I mean, guys don't when they get two strikes, they don't just choke up on the bat and try to hit it anywhere like we did back in the day. They're up there, and if, if they mm-hmm. get a pitch they can handle, they're going to try to swing as hard as they can. Um, so there's not the stigma with it, but. All I'll say is they've been doing it all year, and it's good enough for first place and maybe home field advantage. So, you know, that's all good. All right, Casey had two questions here. Did the Rays hang a 2019 wild card banner at the Trop? And also in hockey, when there are extra players in the penalty box, do they have to wait for the play to stop to exit, or do they watch for another player to leave the ice on the other side? You could take both of these. I believe they – I'm going to guess. I believe they did hang a wild card banner. Yes, they did. I, I don't know if it's. I believe it said so wild card. Yeah, I think it said 2019 yeah. wild card. It could have said division series. Okay, I'm trying to remember back. We haven't been there this year to see it, but yes, they, right. they have hung. But I'm one. pretty sure they have yes. one. Yeah. Uh, in hockey, so if you have an even up penalty, like the other day when the Lightning had three players in the box, yes, and the uh, the Stars had two, so Hedman was the the penalty that was on the board. So after two minutes, Hedman comes out of the box. The other players are in there for two minutes. They can't leave the box until there's a stoppage of play after they've been in there for at least two minutes. So, oh, wow. 
You, you know, basically the next after that two minutes is up, the next stoppage of play they come out. So it could be five minutes later if the play is just going up and down the ice, and you know there's no stoppages. But the next stoppage is when you get to come out of the box. Just like if you get a five minute fighting penalty, yeah, um, you're in there for five minutes and you don't come out at the five minute mark because the ice is full. You come right. out after you know the next stoppage of play after your penalty time has been served. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you got that question. You got both of those questions, actually. <laughs> All right, Brian. That's why we do yeah, this. Exactly. Brian asked, is the worst possible playoff draw for the Rays the Blue Jays? Well, I mean, they haven't – that's the team they haven't really dominated um, from the American League East, and they can absolutely rake. So, you know, the the, the thing that would scare me about this format is that – I think any team, I think you could take the Pittsburgh Pirates, right, Mm -hmm. and put them in a three-game series against the best team in baseball, and there's a chance they push it to game three, and how comfortable are you really? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, there's going to be, to me, there's going to be some real upsets early because that's just not a whole lot of room and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for any one well, day. And look, you don't have the crowd to feed off of either. I mean, how much That's, were the, the no Rays right. buoyed by the crowd last year for games three and four at the Trop? Mm-hmm. And then they dominated those games. Absolutely. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, once they start the postseason, even though you haven't advanced to San Diego or mm-hmm. or wherever they're doing the other ones, um, I guess Dallas or Texas or whatever, uh, you, like, if you have a home series, those guys, got, I believe they got to check in a hotel. I, yeah, I they're basically the in the bubble now. I believe they're already yeah, the bu- in. The, they're already the, in the, the bubble. The bubble has yeah. has begun. Yeah. Yes. So you're not in, in addition to no fans in your ballpark, whatever mm-hmm. for that first round. You're not even sleeping in your own bed. You used to be able to say, "Well, I guess they they get to sleep in their own bed." That's not even the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Now so, the one the one thing with Toronto is they've kind of regressed back to where we probably thought they were going to be all year, right? Which is you know 500 team. And that's point. mostly because I mean, their pitching's just not that good. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, if you look at the stats, you know, they they've scored two less runs than the Rays. So mm-hmm. as you say that the, Toronto can rake, the Rays have scored basically the same amount of runs. I think the Rays have one more game. Right. Right. You don't think of the Rays that way, but yeah. But the Blue Jays have given up eighty more runs Whew. than the Rays. I mean, you know, and that's wow. that's really the big difference is that the Blue Jays pitching staff. Do you trust them in a series? It's a short yeah. short series, and sometimes hitting can carry you, but. You know, I, I, look, they're at five. They're a game above five hundred now. It's about where you expect them at the beginning of the year. You know, mm-hmm. or, you know, if you were predicting it, and they got off to a really hot start, and they played the Rays a lot in that hot start, and so the Rays struggled with them a little bit because the Blue Jays were raking and they were hot. But you know, I, yeah. I look, I I'd think I wouldn't I'd, be I'd afraid rather, of them. But look, the two yeah. wild cards, I'd rather face Toronto than Cleveland. Oh, for sure, because they their pitching can shut you down. I mean, yeah. the AL Central's got three legit teams in the White Sox, Twins, and Indians. That's true. Both those, I mean, all three of those teams have, are you know, seven games or more above five hundred at this point. Yeah, you know, so that I, I look, I'd rather face Toronto than Cleveland. So it behooves you to try to stay ahead of the White Sox, right? And they're another good team. So yeah, well, I mean, the White Sox and, and the Rays, basically, the the top seed of those will play the Blue Jays. The bottom seed will play probably the Indians. Right. So interesting. All right, Brian asks. Do you think the fitness and health will play even a more crucial role in the Lightning series with games four and five this Friday and Saturday being back-to-back nights? Yeah, I mean, this is a war of attrition, and I think, you know, you just said, um, and and I think both teams would be wise to follow your advice, and that is um, 
don't take yourself out physically out of this series. Don't lose it that way. You know what I mean? Um, but the longer it goes, you're going to lose players and, and guys aren't going to be a hundred percent. And that seems to be how Stanley cup is won. It's, it's sort of the last team standing, if you will. Um, so I think they're going to have to be smart and stay out of the penalty box. And, um, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, how many more injuries can they really afford to sustain? Mm-hmm. You know, if you lose Kucherov or you were to lose Hedman or you were to lose, you know, uh, certainly Vasilevsky or somebody like that, then, you know, your chances dwindle pretty quickly. But I'm curious um, what the Stars are going to do with Kudobin or Hudobin for the back-to-back in that and previously in the playoffs during their back-to-backs, they haven't played him both nights. Right. They played uh, Ottinger, who made his you know NHL debut in one of those games during during this restart, and right. Uh, you know Ben Bishop played another one. That I'm curious if you know Vasilevsky's played every minute for the Lightning. He's the only goalie for a team in this since his restart to play every minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, McElhinney has not seen the ice yet. Right. That and and I have no doubt that Ma- that Vasilevsky's going to be out there for both games. But I'm curious what Dallas is going to do with Hudobin, and, and that. You know, will they? Ben Bishop could be ready by you know Saturday, in the back to back, and some of it may depend on you know how Game Four goes. Yeah, how you know? he plays. Yeah. Well, how he plays, and did he have a heavy workload or a light workload? You know, mm-hmm. if the Lightning are only getting you know five or six shots a period on him, yeah, it's different than if he's you know facing forty five shots for the game. Yeah. So you know, I am curious with that because we normally don't see a back to back in the you know in the Stanley Cup Final. Um, occasionally you'll see them early in the playoffs, and usually that has to do with more venue conflicts. You got concerts at certain nights, and so you had to do a back to back to make it work. Um, you know, in the first or second round. But by the time you get to the final, it's you know they they don't do they don't do back to backs in, in a normal year. But obviously this year is not normal. Yeah, I, I can't imagine your number one goaltender not playing. I, I just can't imagine that scenario unless you unless he was just so fatigued now, or you had a guy that was essentially one B. Mm-hmm. If Ben Bishop were healthy, or you know, um, whoever they trust, they trust. But I can't imagine you would come this far, you know, and not like summon the adrenaline to try to go back to back. And it may depend. I mean, by the time you get to Game Five, are you up three one? Are you down three one? Or is that, it a that's all series? part of it? Yeah, it's all part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that could factor into things too, and that, and that also you know could factor into Steven Stamkos playing too. I mean, you know, maybe yeah. maybe if Stamkos is ready, he comes in and in game five off a of back to back where, you know, you're giving somebody a rest, right? You one of your top guys a rest from the night before, especially if you're up three one at that point or something. I mean, you know, so you know, if sometimes you're up three one, your house money, you know. Well, I mean, you know, it's still the Stanley Cup final. You don't want to treat it like house money, but yes, no. I mean, but you do have a little wiggle room at that point. Yeah. Now you want to close it out for sure. All right. We'll end with this. And our friend Les, he sent this over the weekend, actually. But he says, am I missing something? UCS drops 49 on the same Georgia Tech team that held FSU to 13 points at home. Has it gotten that bad in Tallahassee? In a word, yeah. <laughs> it really has. Well, now their coach, now has, the COVID. coach has COVID. <laughs> I mean, just to top things off. I mean, really, it's it's not been good. And, and this is really continuation of the problems they've had you know going back at the end of Jimbo Fisher's reign and certainly when Willie Tech they have no I mean their offensive line is just horrible you know they can't block anybody and until you can block somebody then you, you can't evaluate your quarterback you can't evaluate the running game um, all of that so 
I don't know how Georgia Tech or, or you know, I don't think anybody figured they'd go in there and, and do Florida State that way and then, of course, get obliterated the next week. But Florida State is not a good football team. And he, th- it's going to take a while. You know, it really is. Um, and it's too bad because, I mean, I like Blackman. I, I mean, you know, he, he feels like he's been there for 25 years, but, you know, he, he should have a better run in this offense. And I think Novell knows what he's doing. But, I mean, how do you explain it? How do you explain Georgia Tech in week one, you know, sort of after after being down, I think, by two scores, rallying and, and sort of pushing Florida State around? Well, we'll ask Matt Baker that on Friday show. There you go. We got Matty Baker. Matty Ice is back. The SEC little, starts up this weekend. College football. We got the Lane Train going against Florida and Dan Mullen, you know, former Mississippi State coach of his own. So a little Magnolia State uh, rivalry going on here in its own way. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Man. College football. Of course, it won't seem like college football until I see a Big Ten game, Steve. No, you got to wait another month. You got another it's month. It's going to be like Halloween, I guess, or after Halloween. Uh, October 24th. October 24th. Oh, is that it? I think, I think the Pac 12 is starting after Halloween. Yeah. But. Well, it's a shame because, you know, all my non Power 5 conferences like the Sun Belt was having fun being on national TV. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so you got to go back, back to, to uh, Thursday night. Yeah, right. <laughs> Raycom or whatever, <laughs> wherever oh. you find these. <laughs> wherever you find these. Jefferson shows. Pilot. Jefferson, that was it. <laughs> That was it. The twelve twenty one kick. That's right. It was always it's, fifteen minutes behind all the other noon games of their kickoff. Coach so. Dean and who was it? Jimmy Dean or who was somebody like that? <laughs> Jefferson Pilot. Uh broadcasting network. But uh but yeah. Hey, thanks for your questions. Those things were great. You don't have to wait, by the way, for a mailbag. If you if you got a question, just give it to us. You can send it to us on uh, you know, on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter. At NFL Stroud, where my email address is uh, rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll recap a very important game three of the Lightning and the Dallas Stars tomorrow. So until then, have a great day, everybody. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud. <laughs>